so this morning we are continuing our series, Do You See What I See? And what I'd like to do is really look at the greatest gift that you'll ever receive. We're going through Advent right now. And so we're going to look at the greatest gift you will ever receive. Christmas can be summed up in the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That kind of sums it all up. That's the whole purpose of Christmas. That's the whole purpose. God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave us the very first Christmas gift. The gift of his son, Jesus Christ. That's the greatest gift, my friends, you will ever receive. So to build a foundation for our sermon this morning, I want to read you Romans chapter 8, verse 32. Since God did not spare his own son... But gave him up for us all, listen to the words here, then can we not expect that with him, Christ, God will freely give us all his gifts. Okay, so he gave us his son as the ultimate gifts. So then can we not realize, do we not realize that then he will give us all the gifts? So if If God loves us enough to send his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die on a cross for us, then he loves us enough to care for all of our other needs. Let that kind of sink in. God sent the ultimate gift. And because he sent the ultimate gift, then we should realize that he cares that much for us. And if he cares that much for us, he will give us all the other gifts that we need to survive this world. To get through whatever we're facing in our lives. Have you ever received a gift inside of another gift? Right? You know what I'm talking about, right? You get this, you get this big giant box, right? Someone gives you a big, oh man, I wonder what's in the box. And you open up the box and what's in the box? Another box, right? Another gift. And if a person's really cool and amazing, there's actually a gift in that box. And you open that one up. Wait, there's another box. And you open that as another box and you go through and there's gifts inside of the gift. Inside of one gift is a bunch of other little gifts, right? That's what God is doing here. At Christmas, God gave us the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. That's the big box. That's the big box that God has given us. All His other gifts, all of the other gifts that God has for you are wrapped up in the one big gift. That's Jesus Christ. So He gives you the one big gift. You got the box, and inside the big box is all the other little smaller gifts. And they're amazing. They're not, when I say small, I'm just comparing them to the gift that God has given us through His Son, Jesus Christ. All the gifts are wrapped up in Jesus. You know, people will often say, um, the spirit of Christmas is giving, right? I've said, we've all said that with the spirit of Christmas, spirit of Christmas. If you watch Hallmark Channel, okay, it, 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 it kills you because there's like, you know, they're, they're setting up the Christmas tree. That's the meaning of Christmas. No, not really. Decorating your tree is not the meaning of Christmas. The snow's falling. Oh, that's the meaning of Christmas. No, it's not really the meaning of Christmas, you know. <laughs> there's always something, right? 
And they, what, what people will say is, you know, that Christmas, the spirit of Christmas is about giving. I hate to shock you this morning. Hang on. Ready? Everybody just hang on for a second. That's not, that's wrong. The spirit of Christmas is not giving. That's not, that's not what Christmas is all about. The spirit of Christmas is not about giving. That is a, that is a subset, okay? That is a, that's the little gift. That's part of the little gift. That's the application, if you will, the big gift. The spirit of Christmas is not really about giving. The spirit of Christmas is actually really about receiving. It's about receiving God's gift to you. So here's the thing. I could sit up here for years, okay, and uh, this sermon could go on forever if I wanted it to. When it talks about all the gifts, you got the big box, right? There's the big box. I could go on and on and on and on and on about all the small gifts that God gives us, all the incredible gifts that God gives us inside the big box. But we only have time for three, all right? Only have time for three. So... When I accept Jesus Christ into my heart, the big, the big box, there are three gifts that God gives. First one. First one. God gives me a new identity. These are, these are huge, okay? When I say smaller gifts, I'm not talking about small in our lives. These are huge transformational gifts that God gives us if we receive them, if we own them, okay, if we own them. So he gives me the gift of a new identity, a new identity. Some of you will be able to relate to this letter. It says this, I feel like my entire life I have been defined by other people. First, my mom constantly berated me to be something or someone she wanted me to be, but I had no interest in being. Sometimes my dad would join in and the pressure to perform and to please and to gain approval was overwhelming. I never felt validated growing up for who I was and what I really wanted to be. Then in school, I, was, I always felt pressured by my friends to fit in and, and to be cool and to do, do things that uh, they wanted to do that I didn't want to do or didn't like to do. I wore a mask and pretended, uh, I pretended most of my, of my time through school. Then when I started dating and later when I married my spouse, I felt their constant pressure to please them and to stuff all my own feelings and my needs to be, to be who I wanted to be. I worried so much my entire life about gaining the approval of others. I don't know who I am or what I'm supposed to be. Now, in there, there's probably a little bit of all of us, right? The pressure we face to, to be someone that someone else wants us to be. Whether we were younger, when it's, we're older, whatever the case. That's an identity problem. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, most, and I mean a large percentage of the world, over 90% of the people, have, they don't know who they are. They have an identity problem. That's an identity problem. You know the fastest growing crime in the world right now? is the fastest growing crime in all the world. Identity theft. Right? It's identity theft. And the truth is, most of us have had our identity stolen at one time or another. Most of us have had that taken. The person that God designed and made us to be has been robbed. He has been stolen. Why do you think people are so frustrated and so angry? Most of the time. 
out in the world. You look at it, you look at the United States right now. We are killing it. We're energy independent. Uh, we are, we have one of the best economies. I'm not being political, so just, if you're just, you know. But you look around and you think that we are just tanking. That it's miserable. That all oh, life is a bunch of garbage. I can't believe this. We are so spoiled. It's, it's disgusting. It really is. But we're so miserable. Why is it that when you have so much, this is the closest thing to Nirvana you've ever seen in your entire life, okay, to Shangri-La, where we're living right now in this country, in the history of the world. And people walk around all upset and all angry and this, that, and the other thing, finding something to be upset about. You know why? They've lost their identity. They've had their identity stolen, okay? It's been identity theft. Sometimes, you know, sometimes our identity, like I said, is stolen by our parents. They want you to be what they want you to be, not what God has designed and called you to be or made you to be. Sometimes it's our peers, our friends. They rob us of our identity, just like this letter was talking about. Sometimes it's our problems. Right? It's, it's something that has, is going on in our lives. You go through a problem, you go through a difficulty, you go through some struggles, and that robs you of your identity. Maybe it's your past, right? Something in your past has robbed you of your identity. Sometimes your identity is stolen by the culture, right? That you need to conform to what the culture is saying. If you don't conform to what we're saying, okay, you're not relevant. You're not in. You're not cool. You're not whatever words you want to use, but you're on the outside looking in, buddy. And so you need to conform to the culture. But that's not who you are. That's not what you believe. See, you end up not knowing your true identity because, and sometimes, to be honest with you, for some of you, all of those things has, have robbed you of your identity. From birth, your parents put that pressure on you to be someone you didn't want to be. You know, the Bible says, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. That says, what that means is, go with that child's natural bent. Okay, so if they're, if they're good with their hands, don't try to force them to be something else. If they're good with their minds, don't try to make them a contractor. Okay, not the contractors don't have good minds. All the contractors, wait a second, what are you trying to say here? I'm going to hammer. No, that's not what I'm saying. All right. <laughs> Sometimes when you're preaching, you're like, uh-oh, we're going to roll that one back. <laughs> Reel it back in. Contractors argue with their hands and brilliant. Okay, so... You know what I'm saying? You know, if, if your child is bent in that way, good. You gotta, you gotta train them up in the way they should go. The way that God designed them. And see, some of us are sitting here this morning, we have no idea who we are. Cause someone has tried to jam us into a form where we don't fit. God is saying, I give you, because of the big gift I give you in Jesus Christ, I'm going to show you your true identity. I'm going to give you back your true identity. So the first gift is you receive, okay, the first little gift is you receive a new identity. But then you have a second gift, all right? Second gift. God gives you a new ability through his spirit. Gives you new ability. Because you can have a new identity. You say, well, how do I get to that place? God is calling me. Finally, I break free. When I was 18 years old and I came to know Christ as my Lord and Savior, it was like all the lights went on. 
And for 18 years, I had no idea who I was. And all of a sudden, the, all the lights went on. And God said, you, you're not, this is not who you are. This is who you are. Transformed everything in me. But here's the thing. Even though when you live some way, when you live a certain way for years and years and years, when someone's forcing you or your identity is being shaped by other factors, right? And all of a sudden Christ comes into your life and God says, here's who you are. Then he needs to give you some, he needs to give you another gift. He needs to give you the ability. Okay. A new ability through his spirit. Not just a new identity, but God gives you a new ability. He gives you new power. He gives you new energy. He gives you, he gives you new courage. He, he gives you new strength. He gives you new capacity. God gives you all those things through His Spirit. Because when we get that gift, right, of Jesus Christ, that big box, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit of God begins to live in us. God dwells in us. So now, okay, it's not your power, it's God's power living in you, right? I say this all the time, but it's like the blood of the risen Jesus Christ is flowing through your veins now. And it's like, wait a second, I not only have this new identity, now I have this new ability to carry out what God has called me and designed me and made me to be. Here's the thing. So many people in this room, they depend on willpower, right? But you no longer have to depend on your own willpower. You depend on God's power, right? Because sometimes, seriously guys, as adults here, sometimes you reach down deep down and you're going to reach deep down inside. What do you come up with? Bupkis, right? There's nothing there. You tried, man. You've worked. You're exhausted. You're mentally, physically, spiritually, in every way exhausted. And you reach down, there's nothing there. But God says, it's not about willpower. It's about my power. How often, how often do we try to change things in our lives and we end up failing? We, we want to change, but we, it doesn't work because willpower doesn't always work. When you can get through, I mean, you got people out in the world that just, they're atheists and they have some kind of willpower. But the reason it doesn't work most of the time for almost most of the people is because willpower doesn't work all the time. And in some cases, it, it cannot get you where you need to be. Okay, there are things in our lives where it will take an act of God, the Holy Spirit of God working through us to give us the power to get where we need to be. Willpower doesn't always work. You eventually get tired, right? You get discouraged and you end up giving up. That's what happens. You say, well, wait, here comes January. Boy, in January, I'm going to. And by March, you're like, oh, oh. Give me a cookie. You know what I'm saying? I can't can't take this anymore, right? Because it's willpower. It's like I, I, I don't have the power to do it. You don't need willpower. You need God's power. You need God's power. God says, I'm going to give you a new ability. I'm going to give you this new, this new ability. I'm not just going to be, because you know, in the world it's like, oh yeah, there, I believe there's a God out there somewhere. You know, God's out there. God says, I'm not just going to be around you, okay? I'm going to, I'm going to be a part of you. I'm going to, I'm going to be in you. I'm going to live in you. Not just around you. I'm not going to be around every once in a while, check on you. I actually am going to be, my spirit's going to be in you. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, here's what it says. And hope does not put us to shame. 
In some versions it says disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured out. Listen to what it says. because this is, I'm not making this up. It says God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So the Holy Spirit has been given to us. God's Spirit is that real second gift, okay, with abilities. God gives you new ability, but the new abilities come through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. That's amazing. See, here's the cool thing. He's saying, I'm not just going to work. He said, I'm not just going to work on you, okay, on your problem, on your difficulty, on your addiction. I'm not going to just work on you. I'm going to work in you. I'm going to work in you. What I love about God is like when we talk about even contractors and construction. It's what happens when, the, when, when you get that first big gift and you get that ability, the Holy Spirit in there. What happens, he's inside there. He's, he's fixing up the house, okay? And he's pitching things out that don't need to be there and putting things in and fixing whatever's going on. That, he's not just working on you. He's working in you. In your life. That's really cool. That's really amazing. Because let's be honest. You know, just honesty, right? Honesty time. You know the right thing to do. Okay? You know the right thing to do. We all know, I know, Jeff knows the changes that need to be made in his life. The problem is, and, and I have, I even have the desire sometimes to do it. But the problem is, I don't have, I don't have the ability. I, I have the desire, but I, I, I don't have the ability. God is, God is saying, listen, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the desire and the ability to fulfill the purpose that I have for your life. I'm going to give you not only the desire, because you know, we have that. We know, we know the right things to do. I can take a person from this side of the room, anyone on this side of the room, and someone on that side of the room can tell, can come up here and they can tell us their problem and everyone on this side of the room can tell them what to do to solve their problem. Every single person. But when it's your problem, you can tell someone how to fix their problem and you'll be right. The problem is when it's your problem, you have the desire to fix it. You have the knowledge of what to do to fix it. You can't fix it because you don't have the ability. You fall short. I, I used to get real upset when people who I knew, like people you, were terrible at handling their money. They were awful at handling their money. But they could sit down and tell someone else how to handle their, how to handle their money. Oh, I'm having some problems. I'm really in debt. And the person who's horrible at handling money tells the other person exactly how to do it. Get yourself an envelope, put some cash in there, make a budget, and lay it all out. They know how to do it. They're just not doing it. They have the desire, they have the knowledge, they have the information, they're just not able to pull it off. You see, what I'm saying is God gives you the second gift, God gives you the desire, and he also gives you the ability to pull off and fulfill his purpose for your lives. God's spirit gives you, gives you the, the ability and the power to keep going. That's it. God's spirit gives you the power. Gives you the ability. You got the, it gives, gives you what you need to accomplish what he wants you to accomplish. That is good news, my friends. Okay, let me circle back here just for a second. I'm gonna ask all of you, you just keep it to yourself here. I'm gonna ask all of you a very, very personal question. I wanna circle back around because these things are tied together. A very personal question to each one of you. Where do you get your identity? Where are you finding your identity? 
Okay, because you can't move on unless we answer this question. So I want to, I want to meld these two together. Most people find their identity in one of three things. It's either they find it in their possessions, they find it in their relationships, or they find it in their work. Those three things. Work, relationships, or possessions. Most people on the planet find their identity in those three things. Let me give you some really, really important advice coming from your pastor who loves you. I'm going to give you some really, really good advice, all right? Never, ever, never, 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 ever, ever, never, never base your identity on something that you can lose. Hear me? Let that sink in for just a moment. I'm telling you because I love you, okay? You're, you're not going to survive this world emotionally and spiritually if you do what I'm telling you not to do. Don't ever, ever base your identity on something that you can lose. Ever. If you build your identity, if you build your identity on a relationship and then you lose it, where is your identity? So you're basing your identity on, and I'm talking about, and even, even relationships, oh, I'm a mom. Okay, yeah, absolutely, you're a great mom. But you're not just, your identity is not just in being a mom. What happens, what happens if you're in a relationship with someone and you, you base your whole identity on that relationship with that other person? Oh, you're so in love with them. And there's nothing wrong with that. Be in deep love with them. But what happens when, through life, you lose that relationship. What happens to your What happens to your identity? What happens to your What happens if if you build your identity on your career or your job? What happens if you lose your job? What happens if you get fired? What happens if you get laid off? What happens to your identity? What happens to your identity um, if you uh, lose your possessions? If you lose your wealth, what happens to your identity if you lose those, those things? What, what, what's your identity? See, I have watched a lot of rich people, and in my case, all, everyone. I've watched rich people become poor, and all of them, and I'm not saying in the whole world, because I don't know everybody in the whole world, but every single human being I've ever met who was rich and became poor lost their identity. Their identity was that they could call up uh, the governor, or they could call up the, the you know, their senator, and you know, they were on a direct, you know, they had a cell phone, called them up, and all of a sudden, they didn't have the resources, and guess what? He wouldn't take their calls anymore. And they lost their identity. Never base your identity on something that you can lose, because my friends, at some point, we're going to lose those things. You know, some people build their identity on their looks. But remember, right? All, beauty is what? Right. It's fleeting. It, it's, it's not going to last. And I'll tell you the truth. Some people do it in the opposite direction. They don't think they're attractive. So therefore, they base their identity. They, they do things based upon the fact that they don't think they're attractive. Because they're basing their identity on looks as well. Just the opposite direction. And so they start making decisions based upon what they're feeling about how they look, and they're going off in the wrong direction. So, anytime we base our identity on something that we can lose, we're going to lose our identity. 
If you build your identity on something that can be taken away from you, you're going, you're going to lose it because it's not, listen, it's not your true identity. You will lose it because it's not your true identity. The only thing, the only thing that cannot be taken from you is this. God's unconditional love. God's unconditional love. That's the only thing that cannot be taken from you. God's unconditional love. One of the biggest mistakes that, that people in this world make is they let their failures define them. And my gosh, we all fail. We all fall short. We fail morally sometimes. We fail at business. We fail in relationships. We fail personally. We fail. We fail. But here's what happens. We, people in this world allow their failures, okay, to, def- to define them. They let their, they let their fears, some of you let your fears define you. Some of you let your faults define you. Some of you let your struggles in this life define you. Some of you let your sins define you. But here, here's the deal. Here, you gotta understand this. You are not your sin. You are not your struggles. You are not your fear. You're not your faults. You're not your weaknesses. Okay? You're not who that person said you were in the past. You're not who your parents say you are. You're not who the pastor says you are. You're not who whatever says you are. You are who God says you are. And that's it. God defines you because He made you. Some of you need to get, you need to break free, okay? You, you just need to start breaking free from the lies that have been, that have been placed on you. You've got to stop seeing yourself. You've got to stop seeing yourself the way the world, and I'm including Satan, I'm including culture, I'm including people even that you are around you. You've got to stop seeing yourself the way other people, the world defines you, and you need, you've got to start seeing yourself the way God sees you. Right? What does God say? What does the Bible say? You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are people belonging to God. The Bible says you're God's special possession. You're a joint heir of Jesus Christ. That's who you are. Do you, do you, do you have ups and downs in life? Sure you do. Some of you right now may be going through a time where you feel like, man, you don't even know what's happening in my life. I do know what's happening, but that doesn't change your identity. You find your identity in Jesus Christ. The big box. That's where you find your identity. And then God gives you the gifts to help you understand how to achieve what Christ has called you to do. And Christ has called you to be. And more important than doing for God is being for God. God, seriously, you're not going to get to heaven. He's not going to roll out all. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm so, I, I, this is Jesus. I'm just so moved that I'm standing in front of you because you were the president of what? You, you, how much do you have in your account? Whoa. That's not going to happen. It isn't. He's not going to ask me how big my church was. Okay. He's not going to ask me all about all. He knows about my accomplishments. What he cares about is who I am. He cares about being more than doing. Remember we talked about holiness? Holiness. It's more about being than is about doing. Listen, guys, it's not about trying harder. 
It's about trusting Him more. It's not about your willpower. It's about God's power. It's not about being driven by guilt. It's about recognizing His grace in your life. It's not about legalism. Don't do this, don't do this, and don't do this, and don't do that. It's not about legalism. It's about love. It's about love. Love is what changes us. Love is what changes us. And the more I am filled with His love, the more power I have to change. The more I am filled with God's love. What did I say in the very beginning? For God so loved... That's the foundation. And the more that I am filled with his love, the more power that I have to change. 2 Timothy 1.7. Listen to what it says. For God does not give us a spirit of fear. Listen to what he gives us. But instead he fills us through his spirit with power, with love, and with self-discipline. Even, even our own self-discipline comes from him. That's why we can achieve, instead of willpower, we need His power, because He gives us the discipline to achieve it. That, that, that's, that's the second thing. There's one more, okay? The third. The third gift that God gives us. The third gifts that God gives us. You need the love that can be found in the body of Christ. You need the love that can be found in the body of Christ. So the third gift, the third gift that God gives to every single one of us, okay? Is community. And I asked, come on up, I asked Justin Terry, who's one of our impact youth leaders, to come and to, here, you, you wanna, you wanna, alright, you wanna sit or you wanna stand? You stand, you're more comfortable standing? Yeah, yeah. Okay, alright, so I asked Justin to come and share how the body of Christ, how being a part of the church has transformed his life. So I'll start out with one question for you. Yeah. Just start out, tell us, a little bit about your background. Um, give, us, give us your testimony. Yeah. Uh, I'll start off saying being a part of the body of Christ and the family of Christ is truly probably the greatest gift God has ever given me. Um, I grew up in a non-Christian household. Um, I wasn't a Christian until my freshman year of high school. And long story made really short, uh, I was diagnosed with stage three bone cancer my freshman year. And after my first time ever praying, uh, my next, my next Your freshman year in high school, my freshman year in high school, my next test results came back cancer free. And so like anyone would be, I was like, Oh wow. Um, maybe this whole Jesus thing is real. <laughs> and, uh, so I started getting involved in my church and involved in other local ministries. Um, first I was learning and then I was volunteering and God placed some amazing teachers and leaders around me to not only know more of Christ, but to witness firsthand his love through the way they selflessly loved me. Um, I was blessed. I knew a God that gave. I knew a God that literally took cancer from my body that brought me from this small town in Indiana to an amazing college here in Cincinnati to a community where people were loving on me without asking anything in return um, to an amazing church family. And it was amazing. And it still is amazing. But throughout this next chapter of my life, throughout this last year, I saw a different side of God and fell in love with a different side of God's love. And that's how God loves the brokenhearted. Um, so basically, starting in January, um, January 10th, my mom passed away of breast cancer. And it wrecked me because I was and still am a very loud and very proud mama's boy. Um, and I was only 20, and she was supposed to be there for when I get married someday, and be there for my kids growing up. 
like she was supposed to be there. So I was hurt and I was devastated. Um, and about a week later, my grandpa passed away. And it was rough because he was the only Christian influence throughout my childhood. And this was a man that I looked up to and revered for his love for Christ. And it's like, God, like I'm pursuing you and I'm going into ministry. And this is, these are two funerals of people I thought were going to be in my life for years to come, just torn away. And I looked at myself and I'm like, I got to be okay. You know what? I can't, I can't be hurt. I got to be okay. Um, and about half a month after that, my grandma on the same side passed away. And at this point, I am utterly heartbroken. I am devastated to the point of, God, I don't know what's happening right now. I just feel all this pain, sorrow, and anxiety to the point of like breaking out into stress hives. Like I was not handling it well. <laughs> um, but I'm like, okay, God, tell me what you need right now. Um, I lost more people in the three months to come, just relationships, than I thought possible. Um, even my best friend passed away in a car accident, and my grandma on the other side passed away of cancer. Um, and it was just such this time of like longing and just like relationships and love just fading away to the point of like God breaking it down to the bare bones of things, um, including this time. I had friends that I thought were going to be there for years to come, friends that I'm like, these right here, these are guys that I'm going to grow old with and still contact, come to me and say, hey, there's nothing you've done. You've done nothing wrong, but we really don't know how to process what you're going through and to relate to it. So we kind of feel it's best if we just distance ourselves. And so it was to a point where I'm like, God, like I truly feel like the only thing I have right now is you. And... I truly felt, okay, God, that's enough. Um, it was so cool because Satan tried telling me, you know what? You deserve to be alone. There's something that you've done. There's some correlation of an action with a reaction that what you've done, this is your fault. Somehow, this is about you. And God said, no, Justin, this is not about something you've done. This is me loving you and showing you that all these blessings that you have, it's amazing. But even when all those blessings are taken away, I'm going to provide rest. I'm going to give you a place where you can feel loved and you can be broken and that be okay. I'm going to give you a place where people will love on you regardless of what you can bring to the table and what you can do for them. Because I honestly could not bring a lot to the table for a whole long time. Hmm. Um, he's going to give you a place to just be and be with him. And it's amazing. Proverbs 17:17 17, 17 says, "A friend loves at all times, but a brother is born in times of diversity." And this has been a verse that has really stuck with me, especially uh, with Jeff and a lot of people that have been just counseling me and like growing me throughout this time, because that, that's what we're called to be. That this isn't just a place where we meet, stay out of the rain, you know what? Just meet on Sundays, happen to walk in to some crazy New Yorker talking in a weird accent. Nah, that this is a place where we get to be and be with each other. That this is so much more than that. That this simple truth that this is church and that this is a family. Yeah. Amen. You in, in reverence and awe of who you are, of what you've done for each one of us. 
I thank you so much for bringing us here today to be with you, to be with each other, to know who we are, to know that we are loved, and to know that we have community. God, I just give you the rest of this day and this week. We would take everything that we've learned today and just apply it to our lives, Lord. We would be um, known for people who love like you love, God. And we love you so much. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.